Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Wood Talk number 227. For March 13th, 2015, it's Friday the 13th, if you're getting this on Friday. Woohoo! Yeah, so that's scary mm-hmm. and all. Uh, on today's show, we're talking about one thing and one thing only, and that is a question we got from someone asking about hand tools and whether or not they improve your power tool woodworking skills. Yes. And, uh, let's jump right into it. Okay. And <laughs> I think that, Shannon if you, is would, tor- if you would want to work with power tools <laughs> after hand tools, I mean, Shannon come on. Shannon is so biased. Oh, my Lord. There's nothing that creates a power tool user faster than hand tools. Um, <laughs> and that's all I have to say. Uh, so let's get to the question here. Um, where is it? Crap. I forgot well, to copy well, it over. It's, it's right from here. Tim, it's, uh, right? It came from Tim. Okay. Tim, ahead, it's it. very simple. It just says, well, becoming proficient with hand tools, help your skills on woodworking machines. Okay, so we've got three perspectives here, and we'll see if we have common ground on our thoughts on this, because I've sort of gone power tool and migrated back toward hand tools and found my happy spot somewhere in the middle. Shannon, you started with with power tools and migrated completely to hand tools. And Matt, I think you're probably pretty close to where I am these days, right? Uh, Using a good balance of both hand tools and power tools. Yes, absolutely. Did any of us start our woodworking careers, ventures, whatever you want to call it, with hand tools? I don't think so, right? No, no. I, I can say for certain, no way in the world. I looked at them and went, what are those uh, wall ornaments doing on that bench? <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine if you started with you know, power or hand tools and then found the joy of power tools, it might bring a different perspective to to the you know, to the equation here. Um, so let's, I, I let's put that out there. People, we, I know people who have done this and I've had conversations with them about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the overwhelming, um, feeling is guilt for some reason. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I, I couldn't do it. You know, I had to buy a planer or something like that. And I'm usually after I finish smacking them around, telling them that who cares? Are you having fun? But I, it's it's weird because I don't think many people do that. And I think the people that do end up like what Mark just said, jokingly, the fastest way to make a power tool user. <laughs> well, and I think it, it also depends on whether we're talking about hobbyists or pros. I would imagine there are many pros who if – you know, let's say we go back a hundred years and you go, Oh, you see that thing you're doing by hand? Well, here's this mortising machine. You don't need that anymore. Like here's a festal domino, 1900s woodworker. What do you think? They'd be like, hells yeah. Give me three. Well, you know, and they always talk about how like the shakers were like always on the cutting edge of like the new things because obviously time is very important and blah, 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 blah to their philosophy, not to blah, 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 their philosophy is being bad, but for <laughs> sure, they, weird, they, frankly, they always, dis- <laughs> they always, dis- there's only like two of them left, Matt. I think you're okay. And they're okay, like, well, in their in that 90s, case, so hey, we have to them. be politically correct across the board. So I can hear the walker coming up the front steps and I'm like, nobody answer it. It's the shakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but the, for sure, you always hear them talk about the fact that they were on the cutting edge of these things. So they would probably be – and we associate their furniture, their style as very, very – you know, um, uh, I don't want to say elegant. But like what's the word I'm looking here for? Uh, they, they put a lot of detail work into it even though it doesn't look like it. They were very meticulous. That's yeah. the word I was trying to there go for. Go. Right. Yeah. And But at the same time, you know, they had no problem using, using power tools for these things because – because they saw the benefit time-wise and efficiency and all that other stuff from it. Yeah, well, I can say as a power tool user, there are certain things you just don't have to worry about as much. Power tools generally aren't as concerned about things like 
changing grain directions. Uh, your planer, if it's a good one and it's sharp, probably doesn't care either way. Now, that's not totally true because there are situations where I have to reverse the uh, direction of the board because I'm getting a little bit of tear out, but you quickly identify it, you change it, and it's done. Now, these are things that if you are from a hand tool perspective from a hand tool world, you know that going into it and you probably would have sent that board through the planer the right way the first time mm-hmm. uh, because you already that's, looked that's at grain direction. Um, I do think you gain a much more intimate feel for the wood, um, the, the changes in grain direction, how is it cutting, you know, what's the density of the wood like Yeah. Um, that you just wouldn't, you know, I mean, I, I can remember um, when I first started using hand tools pretty aggressively in like the joinery world, um, being really shocked at the tear out I was getting that like, I would just send it across the router table, you know, mm-hmm, I'm cutting right. that rabbit and I knew not to make a climb cut. I was concerned about, you know, the wood being thrown back at me and for safety reasons, not about the wood de- destroying itself. Um, yeah. and I did it with a hand tool and I was suddenly like, oh, wow, you know, I had to pay attention to this. And then I went back over to the router table and I remember having this like, oh, wait, you remember what happened when you did that with a hand tool? And then I paid more attention to the grain and I ran it across and I got a much cleaner cut on on my router table because at 30,000 RPMs, grain direction almost doesn't matter. So that was definitely um, an improvement on my power tool skills that came from harnessing and finessing my hand tool skills we you know that's i, I was thinking the, the same exact thing when it regardless of let's say i'm using my bandsaw or my table saw i do notice uh it's i think it's important to have like that steady feed a uh, uh, rate of feed into the blade and i have noticed like sometimes when I'm, I'm pushing something in and i start to feel that resistance it's no longer like one of those oh my blade must be dull my first thought is what's the grain direction like on this this has got to be like one of those things if i was cutting this by hand i'm sure at some point i'd be thinking like maybe the blade's going to deflect or something based on on the, the direction in there so i almost start paying closer attention to those and it, it forces me to adjust my uh feed rate to get a better result from it well, so there's no doubt that using hand tools is going to give you a little bit more of an intimate uh, understanding of what wood does and what the tools can do to the wood. Directionality, grain direction, grain properties, all these different things. Is there anything besides just the wood properties that we can glean from hand tools and bring into the I, power tool world? I think that you get a you get a better understanding of what what is necessary and what isn't with your power tools. Yeah. Um, I can remember thinking like when, when hand tools weren't even an option because be, literally when I discovered them, it was like a bolt from the blue. I went to Williamsburg and I was like, holy cow. Like it wasn't like, oh, I remember my grandfather doing that. I didn't have that. Um, in, I mean, I grew up on Air Force bases all over the world. There wasn't – I didn't have that pastoral go to the grandpa shop and all that fun stuff. That didn't exist for me. So – Literally walking into Williamsburg and seeing somebody using a hand plane was what did it for me. So prior to that, when I was woodworking, there was no thought of reaching for uh, a hand tool of any kind. So my thought was that tenon had to be spot on perfect off the table saw. Um, there was no adjusting after the fact. It was either full bore and done or 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 screw up. Right. And now knowing that I've got the ability to finesse and adjust things and get um, a lot more, I don't know if precise is the word, but I've got the ability to clean up stuff later on. Um, I Machine work is a lot more efficient. Um, it's a lot less, I've got to be so exact right now because I've got the ability to do things later. 
Right. Yeah. So well, it's definitely well, one of those things that lends itself really well to relative dimensioning. Uh, because you're you're going to be able to sneak up on certain fits that, in like you said, in the power tool world, you just want to nail it the first time every time. Um, but with hand tools, you have this tendency to think, well, I can remove as little as a thousandth shaving if I wanted to. So this is something that I could really sneak up on and sweeten the piece. Uh, I could take measurements and just say, does this fit or does it not fit? I don't necessarily even need to pull out a tape measure sometimes. Um, and I think you can bring a lot of those lessons, and I certainly bring them in every project I do, um, into power tool world just because it suits my needs better. And I still rely on those hand tools to help me finesse the fit and get where I need to go. Right. Well, I always find... Sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, I was just going to say something along the lines of that, like the the whole idea of this, this like coarse, medium, fine. You know, I really still see this not so much in the hand tool world. Well, obviously in the hand tool world, but I see it a lot of times in the power tool world, too. So there are specific machines that, in my mind, will never be in the realm of medium or fine. So I think of like my, my milling machines. I never expect something coming off of any like say my jointer or my thickness planer as being ready to go right now for a finish or anything like that those are like the roughest tools in my arsenal uh maybe my table saw i might be able to change a blade and get something that's going to give me a much finer cut from it uh but again i start thinking even like my blades particular ones are meant for more rough work while ones are meant for more finish work and especially Mm -hmm. over at the router table I would always – I was the person that would like – if I'm going to put like a little thumbnail edge on there, uh, I'm just going to just go right through it. And sure, it might leave a few milling marks or something on there. But anyway, I can hit that with a sander. But after playing around with uh, hand planes, I now at least have the mind the mind to go back in and say, you know what? I'm going to adjust it just a tiny pinch so that now I'll do one more pass on this and it gives me just – I've removed just a tiny bit of material. So – even though it's still on the router, uh, coming off the router table, and I probably need to touch it up with a little bit of sandpaper, by taking that little tiny pass, I've actually re- re- uh, I've made less work for myself with the sanding. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't have any actual evidence because I, I haven't gone back to power tools. I went to the hand tool route and kind of worked. Well, we didn't call it hybrid back then. <laughs> we <laughs> called it woodworking. You're welcome. Both of them for a while and then kind of slowly <laughs> as I – I, I remember making lists and saying the last time I used this tool was on this date. And if I went a year without using it, it was okay for me to get rid of it. So I slowly kind of weaned my way away from it, but I haven't gone back to any power tools. So I can't really speak for this. Maybe you guys can help, but I think layout has to help. Um, my layout is so much more exact and so much more precise than it ever was with power tools you know, where I could just set the fence on the table saw and run the board through. Um, and I have to believe that the the care and the time I take with gauges and pencil and square and things like that to actually lay out joints and to kind of plan things out before I go with a cut, which is which is necessary with a hand tool because all you have to do, all you have to follow is that layout line, you know, and you, you manipulate your arm and your wrist in thousands of ways in order to follow that line. Um, I have to believe that that's going to help. What, what do you guys think? I would say no doubt about it. I know just cutting dovetails by hand, like one of the first things new woodworkers want to tackle is like the pinnacle of joinery. Uh, it's something that teaches you not just the sawing and the chiseling skills, but like you're talking about layout. And I've brought a lot of that into my joinery layout work. Most of the time, if I'm going to make a tenon, even if I'm using a power tool to make it, I will scribe across the grain to create my shoulder because guess what that line does? It severs the fibers. And yeah. if the, the saw yeah. has a tendency to create a little bit of tear out, 
solves How that problem. How brilliant is that? I never thought of that when I was working with just power tools alone. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and you relied entirely upon the geometry and the sharpness of your table saw blade and a back to get of board. that clean ten inch shoulder. And it works. Which is you just know, stupid when you think about it. Well, when and, you could just run a knife gauge over it. Yeah. It, there's there's nothing wrong with it, but you always need that sacrificial fence there to back up the fibers. Uh, but it's something that well, you know what? There have been times where I didn't feel like putting a backer fence, and I just did it real quick and dealt with the tear out. Well, if I had just used a marking gauge or cutting blade or something on there to to actually create that shoulder ahead of time, I could have lined up my blade and my fence and gotten everything perfect using, instead of a pencil line, I'm using a knife line, line it up and boom, done. I don't actually need a backer board when it's perfectly set. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And and I would say overall for me, it's, it's, make, it's made me a more well-rounded woodworker because I don't think any of us, I mean, well, you can do whatever you want to do. But I think as a woodworker, uh, you should try to be well-rounded. And I think there are just some things that are going to be better in the world of hand tools. So if you are a power tool woodworker, don't just write them all off because they're hand tools and they don't have power cords. That would be silly. Um, there, there really is a better tool for the job in some instances. And a lot of times it just doesn't have power. So I think to be a well-rounded woodworker, you have to at least have, have some of those in your toolbox ready to go for when you have to solve certain problems. It will definitely make things easier in the shop. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's kind of a way Appreciate of accepting brother. the limitations of that particular tool. And it's okay that that tool has a limitation. And what I what I tell a lot of my hand tool school folks is I, I personally do believe that gaining a knowledge, if not a mastery of hand techniques will make you just a better woodworker because then there's always that you can fall back on. Yeah. You know, if that weird angle cut is not quite working out on your chop saw or your table saw, then lay out the line and pull out a handsaw and saw to it. You know, the, the handsaw will work in any bevel angle, any angle, whatever you want, it will work. And having that skill means that there's nothing wrong with using that compound miter saw or the table saw. But if it doesn't work, rather than going and spending an hour building a jig to make it work, pull out a handsaw. Yeah. And there's always that other solution. So yeah. looking at that in the reverse way and saying my hand skills have made me a better power tool worker because I don't have to rely upon my power tools to do everything. Yeah. And, and, and I think way people, of phrasing that. <laughs> right. Well, I think people who are living solely, you know, whether by necessity or choice, uh, living solely within the world of power tools can do amazing work and are very good at solving problems with the power tools. You know, and a mm-hmm. lot of times it does come down to making a jig or a fixture or having a particular tool. Like, for instance, I recently did a demo on making rabbits, showing how I used the, uh, the table saw with a dado blade, uh, run the board through. And because the board might have a tendency to either lift or my hand pressure is inconsistent, I'll just go to the workbench, give it a few swipes with a shoulder plane or a router plane, and it's done. And I sneak up on the fit, and it's perfect every time. But someone had suggested, well, why don't you just use like one of those roller hold-downs? Because that would apply consistent pressure down on the board and would hold it so that it doesn't lift up. And I agree, that would work. I don't have one of those. I yeah. guess I could go buy one. And I think that's where a lot of times with power tool things, a lot so a lot of the problem solving can come from simply another purchase. And right. in the hand tool world, it seems like problem solving, will, it may have to come from another tool. You have to have those other tools. But it seems like there's more of a, the solution is a little bit more creative thinking with what you already have instead of buying a solution for it. Well, and in that particular solution, and, and I think with a lot of power tools, the solution is hold it 
stronger. <laughs> Hold it know? harder. Keep it, <laughs> yes. keep it more stationary. Lock it more into place. Yeah. So that that linear action tool can cut more accurate because mm-hmm. that tool, whatever it is, is going to cut whatever you set it. That depth, oh, totally. that square, it's the board that moves out of the way. So the solution is clamp it down harder. And wood does not like that. Um, if you force, this is what Matt was saying earlier with the bandsaw, if you force a board through, you're going to end up with issues. And I, I, I know that hand tools have taught me that. Yeah. that. You can't force it. It's more about working with the wood instead of trying to force it into submission, which a lot of times power tools do. Yeah, well, and you know, and I will say, if you do have the right setup, there are some things in that in the power tool world that are just amazingly accurate as they should be. For instance, the multi-router, uh, it's oh, not yeah. so much the multi-router and that like, yeah, of course it, the way it's set up is an amazing tool. But for me, what makes it the most accurate is the, uh, the hold downs on it, the pneumatic hold downs. They hold the wood at such consistent amounts of pressure where it is not going to move. So the registration of the, the board is perfect every time. And the tool can just do what the tool needs to do. Um, so, you know, there's definitely an argument to be made that if the work is held properly and if it's, you know, maybe you have power feeders in your shop or something where it's consistently fed through the results from a power tool, if it's set up properly, can be absolutely amazing and super fast. You know, that's oh, yeah. that's the reason people do that. But I think in the in our home shops, as home shop woodworkers, we don't necessarily have everything. We don't always have all the, the fancier tools. So we have to to make do with whatever we the best results we can get from these things. And sometimes the, the hand tools really can bail us out of some situations that are caused by the faster power tools. I can tell you when I had, there was that transition point when the uh, latest, the saw stop came into the shop and I still had my old table saw where I really was thinking, man, you know, it would be so awesome to have one set up on one and one set up on the other because then I never have to touch them and I can just go right from one to the other because they'll be accurate every time. Yeah. <laughs> have a, have a dado blade in, in one saw at all times. Yes. Yes. That and would it would be, be set at cool. a specific height. <laughs> if I had a, if I had like a pro shop, like where I was just building furniture for clients and time was money, I would do that whole back to back table saw thing. I'd have one set up for, for dados all the time. And then they would share an outfeed table. And on the other side would be one that's for just, you know, regular rips and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Total this, sense for time. This definitely, this could be another show in and of itself. I, I wrote a blog post on this and it, I don't think people quite understood what I was getting at, but like if you had unlimited space and unlimited funds, what would your shop look like? And this is when it starts to get really fun because, you know, a lot of my hand tool journey has been driven by space. I mean, I, I, I sincerely enjoy working by hand. That was a, a discovery that I made and there's really no going back. But if I had 5,000 square feet of space and unlimited funds, you would probably see some tools work their way back in just because who cares? But I got plenty of room. Yeah, why not? Yeah, you know? just have it for that day when you don't feel like chopping right. that when, mortise when by I'm hand. I'm lazy and I just <laughs> yes. don't feel like planing that edge or ripping yeah. that cut, you know? Yeah, that'd be great. Right. Yep. Very cool. You know what I would do? I'd have a bigger TV in my shop. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd have like a drive-in drum movie. set. I'd have, I'd have multiple drum sets. Uh, yeah, it would be, uh, it'd definitely be a man cave for sure. I'd have to have a bar too. That only serves Dr. Pepper. I was going to say, because <laughs> I don't so much. I was going to say, because I don't drink. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, you know, here's the thing. This was not meant to be that sort of power tool versus uh, hand tool debate at all. Um, I think we're all firmly in the camp that believes 
you should be able to use whatever you want to use, but uh, but learning the hand tool basics is kind of like Mr. Miyagi teaching you to sand the floor and uh, you <laughs> nice. know wash the car. It, it's sort of those fundamental. Oh, we don't use sandpaper in the hand tool world, Mark. You should actually. Some of you do, <laughs> um, but you know it, it doesn't. It seem like the the fundamental skills, the more rudimentary skills that you could then build upon. And if you if you do have a power tool doing that thing, you still have the understanding of, of why that power tool is an analog for something that, that was done previously by another uh, non-powered equivalent. You know, yeah, and that's again, a it, really good point. The physics of like how a blade cuts and how that interacts with wood is so important. And why you should be terrified of a table saw. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't think you need hand tools to know that. I okay. think you can figure that one out. Ooh, on your that own. looks that one looks scary. <laughs> be careful with that one. All right. Well, I think that just about does it. And Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, question or topic suggestion? You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Hey, do you have some kickback for us? You can email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com. Of course, you can use that also for those comments, questions, or suggestions. And you can leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next time. See you. See you later.